and welcome to episode 74 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we need to say thanks to our newest Patreon subscribers. Yes, we indeed. would like to thank Molly Healy. Veronica Biscuit. Carrie Grady. Darla Rohde. Cattle Dog of Anger. What a name. Matthew Collins. Elise Shirley. Andrea Christensen. Jen Barnes. Oh, I really thought I said John Barnes and I got excited. Um, U7 Pippin. 007. Okay, 007 Pippin. I don't know which it is. Probably 007 Pippin. Amy Bui. Melanie. Tonya. Emma or Com- Tonja. I don't know which it is. Okay. Emma Conroy. Ashling Murray. Shelby. Hope Martin. Jen Lindsay. Jason Ionson. And David Warris. That wasn't terrible. Harris? That wasn't a terrible attempt. And what? to continue with our thanking of people from last week, we would also like to thank some people, some NHS workers, gorgeous NHS workers who are working on the front line and also medical workers from all over the world yeah. who are currently working on the front line. Yeah, we really appreciate um, what you're doing. And so just want to give you a little bit of a shout out and say thank you and to keep going and that we're thinking of you. So Ollie travels on his Todd. It's the name of the first person. Uh, Jade Chiari, Daniel Brown, Casey Mouse, and her husband and brother, or husband and brother. Yeah, her husband and brother. <laughs> her husband and brother, work, yeah. Work Casey, Casey can be a guy's name as well, so I didn't know whether uh, she was a, the husband and brother. Okay. Yeah. And Charlie Thompson, thank you so much for everything you guys do. We really appreciate it. And we just want to give you a little shout out to, to do a little bit to lift your spirits in these busy, difficult times for you guys. So thank you very much. And also just in recognition that it's not just healthcare workers who are in the front line. There are a bazillion other people Absolutely. who are considered key workers or essential workers and are putting themselves at risk every day in order to make sure that in whatever way, shape or form, the country keeps ticking over, which is amazing. And we thank you and we love you and we appreciate you. Thank you. So our film review this week. Dun, dun, dun. Our film review this week is Shelter, otherwise known as Six Souls. It was released in 2010. It is 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb and 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, get out, Rotten Tomatoes. 4%. Get out. Would you like a synopsis? Yes, I would like one, please. Dr. Cara Harding is a dedicated psychiatrist, sceptical about the nature of certain afflictions, especially multiple personality disorder. Her scepticism starts to give way when her father, Dr. Harding, introduces her to a patient named Adam, who consistently assumes the personalities of murder victims. Cara's work with Adam puts her and her daughter, Sammy, at risk of becoming victims themselves. What were your thoughts on this film? No, I think we better start with you this time, because I think we're going to be worlds apart. I got really annoyed. That was really aggressive. I didn't mean it to be as aggressive. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'll forgive you. I got really annoyed at the beginning of this film when she Cara Harding is played by Julianne Moore by the way but she is debunking multiple personality disorder now this film was made in 2010 and multiple personality disorder is not a phrase that has been used in psychiatric circles since the 1990s it's disassociative dissociative identity disorder is what it's actually known as so it really pissed me off because I feel like if you're going to make a film at least research. At least research a property and don't be disrespectful to the people who actually have this disorder. Anyway, so I got really annoyed from the very beginning because I thought that this was going to be a film where multiple personality disorder was a phrase that was used throughout, which it was. 
but also that people with dissociative dis I can never say that diso DID were going to be used as another horror trope because that happens a lot too where mental illness is used as a trope in horror films to be like oh look how scary and psychotic these people are and they're a danger they're a threat and blah 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 and actually it wasn't it wasn't and it did stray away from that so I'm not going to give loads away I'm not going to give a spoiler so I take it back I was very annoyed at the beginning and I was like I'm not fucking watching this and then as it went on, it redeemed himself. It redeemed itself in that way. But you still didn't a watch it. But I still didn't watch it because <laughs> no. there's a very legitimate reason. No, there is. Do you want to tell everybody what the legitimate reason is? I started playing The Sims. <laughs> That's it. Okay. And that took precedent over watching the end of the film. Do I believe it should be a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes? No. Good. So what were your thoughts? Um, okay. As a horror movie, it wasn't brilliant. But as a sort of like mystery thriller movie, like trying to solve a puzzle, I quite enjoyed it. I quite liked having an element of like, okay, let's try and unpack what's going on here and solving the the riddle. Yeah. Like I enjoyed that. I like a little bit of a thinking thing. It kind of felt like a, a paranormal like skeleton key or bone collector, that kind of. You know, there's a bit of a there's a mystery behind what's going on, and it's not as straightforward as it seems. I quite liked it. I've never seen Skeleton Key, but I've seen Bone Collector, and yeah, you're right. There's it's because the 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 paranormal side of it isn't the most pronounced side of it. There's also the whole like backwoods rural people who kind of have their own way of practicing religion and stuff, which is interestingly described as voodoo, which I thought was quite. I can't say anything because I didn't see that bit. Oh, you didn't? Because I was too it. busy watching the, playing The Sims. <laughs> they so. did say that multiple times as well. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I guess maybe voodoo is like the easiest way yeah. to describe what they do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe that's why the why voodoo was used. And I thought Jonathan Rhys Myers was better than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, he was all right. If that's his name. I don't know if it is actually his name, is that it? That is his name, Okay. Yeah. I thought he did okay. I've never really rated him as that, so I just thought it was a bit of eye candy that they kept putting in movies because he was relatively good looking on the scale of good looking people. Mm. But he was actually pretty good. And I thought he upheld his... I thought his different personas. I thought he did the the, the accents of the different personas quite well. There was enough of a change to, to sort differentiate of indicate who what, yeah. he's being spoken to. And it was good. It was good. I thought it was good. I thought it was a clever story. So yeah, that's all I'm going to say because I, I don't want to ruin it just in case anybody does watch it. I feel like there's such a massive disparity between 6.1 out of 10 and 4%. There's a massive disparity and that's what happens when you get user-generated reviews. Yeah, <laughs> it just seems it just seems really like... Because I, I did read some of the reviews, which isn't like me. Did you? I did. Mm. And um, on Rotten Tomatoes, they were like, how did they get Julianne Moore to be in such a terrible film? And I was like, well, actually, it wasn't that terrible. And she wasn't... Like it wasn't beneath her. No, it wasn't. I don't think she did it. I thought she was good, good fit for it. Actually, good, for, good fit for that character because she plays that. She plays an intelligent woman quite well, doesn't she? I'm not saying that she's not in real life. Yeah, <laughs> but she's that that sort of doctor role, like she yeah. does in the Hannibal film. Is it Hannibal she's in? I can't remember. Hmm. So, what would you give this film out of five? Only three, but I did enjoy it. Do you know what? I'm going to be fair because what I did watch of it. Was was all right. I'm going to give it a three as well because okay. I think it's unfair for me to give it any lower because just <laughs> just because I was 
trying to remember the cheat codes for The Sims. That's not a reason to give a bad film review. I do, under- I do understand your point about not being not doing the research properly, and that is a bit of a that is a bit of a faux pas on their behalf. But actually, because they didn't really do it, that that wasn't really the line of inquiry, was it? No, and it, it but it did annoy me when it was you know at the beginning when she her whole thing as a psychiatrist was to debunk multiple personality disorders as they called it and then it went on to be like actually multiple this case of multiple personality disorders is supernatural and paranormal which is a little bit annoying but also she was cool she was that element of her character was not seen as a positive thing that's true because it was played into the antagonistic approach that her father took with her about it and actually she gets called out on it at one point when he just says are you actually concerned with helping this patient or are you just concerned with proving me wrong and so it's used as a point to actually make her not a likable character that's fair so that's fair you can have plot developments like that i think but the the faux pas of not researching properly is is a faux pas and it is annoying that's the third time i've said faux pas enough for what is that going to be your (laughs) word word of the episode (laughs) so our story this week okay i actually have no idea what this is by the way so I am so excited about this. I have never heard of it before in my life. Didn't have a clue what it was. And the lovely Kaylee messaged me on Instagram one night and she said, have you ever heard of a Scottish bothy? I really think you should do some research on it and do an episode about it. A Scottish what? Bothy. Not a Scotch brothy because that's a soup. No. No. And brothy, is is that your name for it? Or I'm pretty sure... Pretty sure the lay person just calls it a broth oh. rather than a brothy, a scotchy brothy. Sure, haven't been a brothy, eh? So I didn't have any idea what a what a bothy was, and I thought it was some sort of like colloquial term for like a tavern, maybe, or some sort of like like a, a Scottish colloquialism for a particular type of ghost. But it's not. Okay, it's something far more interesting. Is it a cryptid? No. Oh, okay. So I'm going to give you... A bothy is 100% a real thing. And I'm going to give you a description of what a bothy is. And this came from The Guardian, this description of a bothy. There are around 100 bothies in Scotland. Stone cottages left unlocked for use as overnight shelters by travellers in wild places. You might find yourself bunking up with strangers, sharing whiskey, a place by the hearth, a ghost story. Or... You might be alone in the vast darkness of a remote glen, the firelight flickering from your window the only sign of human life for miles around. These can be beautiful places, but odd too. That sounds terrifying. Right? I had no They're so idea. so cool, but terrifying. So some of these bothies are really functional. So some of them have like separate rooms. They might have kitchens. Like, obviously it would be very, very basic, but they are functional. Others would literally just be four stone walls and you sleep on the floor. It just depends on what one you stumble across. They are left unlocked. You can go in. There might be somebody else, another kind of hiker who is in there already. And then you just kind of go, hey, you know, we're going to share this bothy for the night. Or you go and you're completely on your own. It's just wild. Imagine being there and then just asleep and then someone else just rocks up. Then, but you don't realise and then you wake up and there's someone else that asks for you in the morning. <laughs> and you're like, hello. <laughs> and I think as well, there's there's sort of a romanticising of the Scottish Highlands. 
And actually, it's, it's really remote, really wild and really quite dangerous if you're not experienced because the weather is very changeable. The weather can be quite dangerous and it's so remote. The terrain is quite tricky. Bear Grylls did an episode in the kind of Irish wilderness, which would not be as wild as the Scottish wilderness. I mean, you can be miles and miles and miles and miles and miles from civilization. I'd love to go to the most northern coast of mainland Scotland. But I'd want someone to take me that knew how to How to navigate the terrain, yeah. <laughs> so what's interesting about these bothies is that some of them are said to be haunted. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> the most haunted one being... Sorry for the swear. A bothy called Ben Alder Bothy. So this research comes from OutdoorMagic.com. I'm going to link all this stuff in the show notes. Are you ready? Yep. Most of Scotland's bothies could be described as remote. But at 8.5 miles from the nearest public road, you could say Ben Alder Cottage is one of the loneliest you'll find. It's located right at the very heart of Scotland, sat within the shadow of the mountain from which it takes its name, with the long black finger of Loch Erecht stretching miles away from it to the east. And it's here, at this long-abandoned homestead, that many strange goings-on have been reported over the decades. Some of the earliest tales of the Bothy come from the book Undiscovered Scotland by Bill Murray. He details a story told to him by his friend Sir Robert Grieve concerning a former officer in the Great War who, when walking from Rannoch to Dalwinnie, decided to stay overnight at Ben Alder Cottage at a time when it was inhabited by a stalker and his wife. During the night, he supposedly heard what seemed like footsteps in the adjacent room. And the next morning, the wife explained that a semi-tame stag was in the habit of banging its antlers on the outside walls. She was, however, said to have told this story so unconvincingly and with such a look of guilt upon her face that the visitor was sure that she was covering up the real truth. Another story is retold in the Scottish Mountaineering Club Journal in a piece by Paddy Buckley, the famous fell runner. He describes a tale by Sid Scroggy, a mountaineer who was blinded during the Second World War, but who still managed to tramp the Scottish hills. On his first visit to Ben Alder Cottage in November 1963, Sid and his companion heard a series of tappings, scratchings, footsteps and groans. The next morning, they were said to have witnessed a packet of biscuits being flung from the mantelpiece to the opposite side of the room. This, Sid believed, was a manifestation of the tension between him and the person he had travelled to the Bothy with. On a later visit with his daughter Mary, another poltergeist phenomenon supposedly occurred, the Bothy door crashing open with no explanation. Who, or what, might be haunting the Bothy then? One grim story goes that it's the ghost of a woman that long ago was forced by a storm to take refuge with her baby in the cottage for a number of days. Driven mad with hunger, she killed and ate her child and was then seen passing through Rannoch Moor, wild-eyed with despair that no one dared cross her path to eventually become lost in the morasses of the place. Sir Robert Grieve perpetuated another story, 
one that had supposedly once been told within climbing circles. This was that the Bothy was haunted by its original resident, a ghillie called McCook, who hanged himself off the back of the front door. So that's our first story. Okay, what's a ghillie? I think a ghillie is like a a trapper. Oh, okay. I think. Okay. Because a stalker is a hunter, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I I looked this up at the time when I was doing the research for this, and I'm nearly sure a ghillie was a trapper, okay, or like a um, like a gra- not like a groundskeeper, that kind of a yeah. that kind of a role. Okay. So, what are your thoughts so far? Creepy. It doesn't surprise me because they're old buildings, aren't they? Like, it doesn't surprise me that they're haunted. The stag story is a bit weird, though. That is weird. She's covering up for something. This cottage was apparently so remote that when the first minister reached the cottage and made himself known to the family that lived there he gave the daughter some coins and she threw them away because she didn't know what they were wow that's how remote <laughs> these people were wow that's that mad remote, isn't yeah. it it is i think it's because like if you look at a map i think it's like similar to like uh canada in a way obviously on the smaller scale but all of the sort of the, the main population of scotland is in that southern Yes. Strips, and then there's hardly anything in this expanse of the north and it's the same with Canada but just on a larger scale most of the population is in that that strip along the border and a little bit further north but then when you get you've also got this massive wildlands up in the northern yeah. bits where it's just like uninhabited a handful of people with that or indigenous people which I don't think they've I mean the Scots are indigenous obviously but yeah so you've got two reasons for the haunting the first being the hanging and the second being the poor woman getting caught in a storm and be for, being forced to resort to cannibalism, which is kind of demonstrative as to how wild and remote these places yep. were. You'd eat me if you needed to. So you're going to have some um, real life stories from the Bothy. Okay. Are you ready? No. Story number one comes from Andy Lamb's biography called Ghosts. I left for the three month sponsored walk across Scotland's highest mountains in late January and was at Ben Alder by mid-March. Ben Alder is a magnificent mountain, a large lump with a vast summit plateau, remote from road and rail. The day was white, snow covering the ground and snow in the air. Visibility was reasonable, on and off. I could see the storms approaching waves. There was a period of relative calm, Then it would crash into me, a vicious wind carrying with it hail and snow and cold, hitting me and stopping me in my tracks until it had passed. Then I had a few minutes of walking before the next wave, and head down again to shelter my face and to wait. Finally, I gained the top and it was time to think of an exit, a way down to safety. I could head for Cooler Bothy or to Ben Alder Cottage, both Bothies maintained by the Mountain Bothies Association. A quick look at the map and I decided on Ben Alder Cottage as this would place me well for the morning and the next day's hill walking. I descended south and made my way out of the storm. Now there was deep snow, a joy to slide through on the way down the hill. Eventually, the shoreline of Loch Erect came into view along with the pine trees growing along its banks. It wasn't difficult to locate the cottage and I was just in time. Darkness had fallen. Once inside, I lit a small fire. Not for the heat, really, but for the comforting glow. I placed candles on any available flat surfaces, windowsills, the floor, the mantle above the paltry flames of the hearth. And I explored, 
Two rooms joined by a door, and out back another room, only accessible from the outside of the building, perhaps a storeroom of some kind. I cooked and made tea. With the fire dying and the candles needing to be preserved, I opted for the usual, an early night. I laid out my sleeping bag on the floor near to the fire, near to the door of the building, and lay there listening to the wind, happy to be away from the elements and wrapped in the warm down of many ducks. I heard footsteps outside. Oh no. Good. People to talk to tonight, I thought. I heard the feet wander up to the front door, but the door didn't open. I heard the feet crunch over the frozen snow to the rear of the building. I felt sure I heard the door to the storeroom open. I was alone in a remote area of the Highlands, but was by now used to this, used to the long dark nights and the early starts, used to sounds carried by the wind, used to hearing rock falls and animals of various sizes moving about at night in their search for food. But this time, these footsteps, I was afraid. I became very afraid. There was nothing I could do. In the highlands, in the winter, there is no one to hear you scream. I buried my head in my sleeping bag and hid from the danger. I must have spent a good half an hour, warm but shivering, before slowly inching my face out of the bag and taking a look around me. All was as it had been. No more footsteps, no doors opening or closing. A couple of candles provided a warm glow. But the fear was still with me. I wrote in my diary to take my mind away from the bothy and back to the brightness of the day on Ben Alder. An hour or so later, another party of walkers joined me, tired from a difficult walk-in, from being lost in the storm. They said hi and made camp in the other room. At least I was now safe. A couple of years later I was chatting to some mountaineers and we got to discussing Scotland and Bothies. I mentioned that Ben Alder was one of my favourite spots and that the Bothy at its foot was charming although I had spent a rather worrying night there. One of the men said he would not stay at Ben Alder Cottage alone and knew none that would. It had a fearsome reputation being haunted by the ghost of a ghillie a deerstalker who had been found hanging hanging in the storeroom at the back of the building, from a rope tied around the rafters. Mm-mm-mm. What kills me about that story is that he's an experienced mountain hiker. He used to be in on his own. Yeah. And you can imagine that. Like, I mean, I would chip myself up a mountain on my own in a stone cottage in the middle of the night. Yeah. I would die. I'm not built for that life. <laughs> I don't want to be. I'm not going on no three-month sponsored hike in the <laughs> Highlands on my own. No, thank you. Okay. So he's obviously used to yeah. the sounds of the nighttime and stuff. So when somebody like that says, and I heard footsteps and I nearly shit myself yeah. and I was terrified, yeah. I listen. Yep. Yeah. It's just the remoteness of it all as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, it's a very cliched line, but when he says it, you know it's true, isn't it? Like, no one can hear you scream there. That's no, they it. can't. Interestingly, there's a really, because we don't do true crime, there's a really interesting not a murder case where they don't really know if it's a murder case but uh, somebody was found is it found. the body of the buffy yes 
Somebody was found right. at Ben Alderbothy and they've yeah. never been able to identify who he is. I, I don't know the story. I was just naming it on alliteration. But that's, I'm not <laughs> going to go into it, but please do look it up. It's really interesting. Yeah. But they were never able to identify who it was. And, you know, a lot of people say it was a suicide. So he went to a really remote place, which is sad, but the likelihood of being interrupted is minimal. But there are people who believe it was a murder. Murder. Which is interesting. <gasps> Judas. Um, I just don't like the idea of something creeping around outside Ooh. and knowing that you're like miles and miles and miles so from anybody else. So vulnerable. Yeah. But do you want to know the real story of the Bothy? Well, there's another one. Well, yeah. I knew there was another one coming, but the real story of it. Yeah. So we've got two ghosts that are said to haunt the Bothy. The Gilly and the Lady. The Gilly and the Lady. But I think you need to hear the real story. Okay. So this comes from trevorhipkin.net. Okay. And it will be linked in the description. Okay. Mention McCook's Cottage and Hill Walking Company and everyone will know what you're talking about and be keen to air their knowledge. That's that haunted place near Ben Alder. Oh, I spent a night there once and it was terrible. I've heard of that. There's a ghost that makes noises and moves things around. You can't get the door open because of a mysterious force inside. A gamekeeper hung himself in there. These are the typical responses to this conversational gambit and while people may know what you're talking about, their stock responses show that they certainly don't know what they're talking about. By implication, a legend is something enduring, passed down by word of mouth from generation to generation. Where history or archaeology can provide evidence, the basic truth of folk memory and legend has often been demonstrated. Not so, however with McCook's cottage. It tells of strange noises, of articles taking off and flying around, and the sound of heels tapping against a wall as the suspended corpse of McCook slowly rotates. Generations of climbers and hillwalkers making use of McCook's old cottage by Loch Eirecht have produced a crop of witnesses testifying to strange happenings in the night. This legend is all fabrication. Because Joseph McCook, formerly stalker in the Ben Alder estate, did not hang himself. He died peacefully in his bed in 1933 at Newtonmore. Tired bodies and overwrought imaginations could account for some of the reports. The questing scrapings of deer and fox hunting during the night will account for the rest. Piles of empty beer cans and whiskey bottles could well be relevant. The sad thing is, is that this fake legend has obscured an act of heroism that did occur in this cottage. In the winter of 1910, McCook became seriously ill with pneumonia. His young daughter walked the return journey of 18 miles to Rannoch Station, where she sent a telegram to the medical practice at Lagan which still covers one of the largest areas of the country and at that time was even more extensive. Dr Donald MacDonald set out for Ben Alder Lodge at 7am. From there, he walked 12 miles on what became a nightmare journey to McCook's cottage. All the burns were in spate after a sudden thaw, necessitating a climb high up onto the shoulder of Ben Alder. Large sheets of ice made footholds precarious. Eleven hours after he had set out, he arrived at the cottage, attended to his patient and then collapsed. 
He was subsequently awarded the Carnegie Gold Medal for Heroism. Donald MacDonald was one of those formidable characters, a Highland doctor who before the days of antibiotics and reliable transport maintained a medical service over the toughest terrain and in the roughest climate in this country. He was later to die in a banal manner, while undergoing a dental anaesthetic. His name was commemorated in Lagan's Dr MacDonald Village Hall and continued in its successor built in 1985. So how was the famous legend born? In the late 1930s, the empty cottage had become the haunt of deer poachers. In an attempt to scare them off, Finlay McIntosh, then head keeper at Ben Alder, and Ian McPherson, the novelist, invented and spread the story of the suicide and the haunting. A later embellishment was that a woman, cut off in the cottage by winter snows, killed and ate her baby. She was later seen with mad staring eyes heading towards Rannoch. Every effort to extinguish these legends has failed. Recently on TV, Jimmy McGregor, following the steps of Prince Charlie, pointed in the direction of Loch Erect. They say that cottage there is haunted. And thus, the stories take yet another new lease of life. But how am I so sure of my facts? Well, I was born and have farmed all my life here in Lagan. Joseph McCook was my grandfather. And that lass who carried the message to Rannoch in 1910 was my mother. So I thought when I found that story, I was like, okay, there's evidence here that this potentially isn't a real haunting. And then I found an academic journal about the power of legend and all about how these hauntings had been created and curated to keep people out of the bothy. And, and that was the reason why. Yeah, like so many of those legends that we've discussed previously, they'd like to yeah. stop your children from doing things. This is the... But then I found a thread of hikers and hill walkers. Mm. A place where I never thought I would find myself. <laughs> you know when people talk about, you know, stumbling upon the dark side of YouTube and the yeah. dark side of the dark web. Blah, blah, blah. Me, for me, it's been in a thread about hiking or extended walking. That's the dark side, is it? Yeah, that is the dark side so for me. It involves exercising. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then <laughs> they, there was like a Halloween thread about, has anybody ever had any haunted experiences when they were in a bothy or hiking through the highlands or whatever? The amount of little stories about Ben Alder was staggering. Loads of them about people waking up and hearing like really old fashioned music playing, hearing people singing from the other room, hearing footsteps inside the cottage, not Get outside out. of it, hearing mm, tapping on the like... walls. Like, ha- and it made me think, like, I understand the, the, the creation of the stories and the hanging and the, um, the woman who was caught in the storm, like they were curated in order to keep people out. I get that. But the people who stay there now, who might not necessarily have that knowledge of those stories, who are hearing music, hearing people walk into the cottage, think it's going to be some other walker is going to stay the night and then they realise it's nobody. Uh, No. So if you were hiking in the Highlands... Just saying some parallel universe. Okay. <laughs> you were hiking in the Highlands and you come across a stone cottage, empty, and it's a bothy. And you think, I can stay here tonight or I can just stay going. What would you do? Stay there. 
Would you? Yeah. If as long as I knew it was a bothy and it wasn't just like an abandoned house that I was trespassing on. Like if it was if I if I genuinely knew it was a bothy and I was allowed to stay there, I'd blatantly stay there because the alternative is being out on the glens at night. Apparently, there was there's another bothy that is has it has equally as a haunted reputation, but it was lived in until relatively recently. Oh, right, okay. And the guy who lived in it was really eccentric and he drew these really elaborate murals all over the walls inside. So the inside, all the walls are covered in pictures of like dragons and folklore and beasts and like, which is pretty amazing. But you can imagine if you're tired, neck and whiskey, and you're in this bothy that's covered in murals of... No. As scared as I'd be, and I would be petrified, and I don't know how much sleep I get, I, I have done enough in my life to understand the importance of having shower at night time. And I think there's you've got a very clear choice there of putting yourself in some kind of paranormal danger, which is now getting more serious because we know that ghosts can start fires. Yes. Or <laughs> putting yourself in actual danger. I would like to clarify that the fire that was started in the apartment in Ember's story was started by a toddler. Okay. So there a real is toddler. a real reasonable explanation. I'm sure you'll be very happy to okay, hear Okay, yeah, that. I am pleased. I am pleased. But either, either way, my original point, paranormal danger, real danger. I'm going to choose paranormal danger. I won't enjoy it. It won't be a very nice experience. It'll be a long night, but it's not real danger. <laughs> he says. <laughs> Are you ready for some new reviews? Our first review comes from Blue Munker. And it says, so good, hashtag binge life. If you're like me, you've searched far and wide for a decent podcast about ghosts and the paranormal. There are many other podcasts I've found that have great stories, but not great hosts. Or awesome hosts, but not great stories. I love real life ghost stories. The hosts, Emma and Dan, have great chemistry and are very likeable. You really get the vibe that you are with some friends who are trying to spook you. The stories themselves have been some of the most creepiest and unnerving I've ever heard. And I often become extra jumpy when I'm listening to them. I've listened to all four to six episodes in under a week. And Good I've job. already converted a few friends to avid listeners as well. I cannot wait for more. And I believe Emma's delivery will be perfect for telling my own story. Ooh, Thank you very much, Blue Monker. Thanks, Blue Monker. And our second review comes from Melly2929. Uber entertaining. This is one of the first ghost podcasts I've started listening to. And the very first podcast I'm actually writing a review for. I have to admit, I laugh out loud or chuckle almost every episode. That is when I'm not too busy cringing over creepy stories they are telling. I love Emma's accent and honestly, the way she pronounces the S word is the best. Shite, potentially. Emma and Dan are amazing together and and like I said before, uber entertaining. I've been binge listening and I can't stop. Totally obsessed. And finally, oh, it's a unicorn, said fantastic this podcast rose to my favorite and most looked forward to podcast daily after just one episode i love dan i think he's absolutely hilarious and i relate to his love of paranormal but the fear of it as well emma's very funny and you can tell she puts a lot of work into the stories and the way she tells them to get them across as clearly as possible their dynamic makes me laugh a lot and i'm happy to listen every day I do find it interesting that Emma is quick to be sceptic about every story, but her fear of aliens stems from not being believed if it were to happen. And I wonder if she's ever thought about it. No, I haven't. (laughs) No, I haven't. I'm halfway through binge listening and I'm already getting angsty about reaching the end. Excellent work, guys. This is the only podcast I've ever taken the time to rate and review so far. If that tells you guys anything about listening. Well, those were three really long reviews. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I'm loving all that hashtag binge life as well. Yeah, it's it's great. That is really good. I've got a couple of housekeeping things to say before we get into the usual bit. 
first of all, on Saturday, which is the the 4th of April, Kevin from We Need to Talk About Ghosts is holding a paranormal quiz live on his Facebook page. Oh, exciting. It is at 8 o'clock UK time. So I don't know what that is for other time zones, but it's 8 o'clock UK time. It'll be on Facebook Live. Dan and I will be doing five questions. Oh, will we? We will be, yes. We'll be doing a little video for you guys. So please go watch it on Kevin's Facebook Live. It is a paranormal quiz just to keep you going when you are in quarantine. Secondly, we now have a YouTube channel. We are hopefully going to be uploading our first YouTube video next week. Please go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. The link to it will be in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, you can come and find us on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. You can find Dan on Instagram at 50p Movie Club. You can find us on Twitter at Real Ghost Pod. I forgot that was me, sorry. You can send your stories into us at Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast at gmail.com. For those of you asking, we are currently in September 2019 of our stories. You can find us on Facebook, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast, and join our supergroup, RLGS Supergroup. The password is... Dan and Emma, or Emma and Dan, or Emma and Dan and Tiny Bims, or just Tiny Bims. You can also support us on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Real Life Ghost Stories, where for $5 a month, you get an extra spooky episode a week, and for $2 a month, you get... An episode of 50... Well, not one episode, multiple episodes of 50p Movie Club, which is a podcast that I do with Mr. Dave Keane, where we watch a bad movie and we talk about it. And if you want to buy some merch, the link will be in the description also. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.